Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. Hey, what's up, James? Hey, how's it going? How you been? I've been good. How have you been? Good. Yeah, I finally made it back from Chicago. Nice. Yeah, nice. like two hours ago. Oh, two hours ago? Yeah. James, we spent the last five days together straight. <laughs> oh, it, is, it is true. I got back from Chicago in my mind two hours ago, mm. but uh, I was delayed getting out of Chicago because I chose a discount airline. Spirit. Spirit yeah. Airlines. Yeah. Mm. And uh, they were like, hey, your flight's delayed. Hey, your flight's delayed. Hey, your flight's canceled. Darn it. On Sunday. That's the worst. They should just cancel it from the start, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But anyway, spent I spent the night in a luxurious hotel using oh. Hotels Tonight. Yeah? Do you use did that you get, app? Did you get... I'm not... I don't... I've never sat in a hotel before. You... <laughs> You love your deals, Nick. I'm a deal this man. is a deal finder. I love a deal. Yeah, I know you do. You know, you're time... clipping coupons as we record this podcast. You know, there's a there's a really good deal on Airbnb in Chicago. It's in the backyard of someone's house, and they just put a tent up, and you can stay there for ten bucks a night. It's a deal. I'm telling you. Is this for real? No, but it could be a it could be a business. <laughs> it could be a startup. Airbnb, but air tent and B. I feel like the new. Air sleeping bag and be? Yeah. I feel like that's another new, we should start a band as like, we should make, this is a startup. We've got, I got a startup idea. Ooh, we could do startup ideas as a segment of our podcast. We could. Um, but uh, yeah, it, hotels tonight, it shows you like, you know, you get discounted prices on hotels because they're trying to fill up the, last the rooms. Minute. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so good. And so you got a good deal. Oh yeah, you stay I, downtown. I wish I wish we were actually sponsored by hotels tonight. <laughs> that would warrant all this uh, all this adulation. But we're not sponsored. But if you want to use them, you can. I guess. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I stayed at the London London House. Oh okay. Yeah. Um. um Did it, you do any touristy things? While I was well, actually, because you were my, delayed a whole day. On my last day there, me and uh, Derek Cassio. Okay, it was another um, speaker. It was another speaker. Yeah. Really cool guy. We had awesome conversation, and then we were just kind of walking around. He had a later flight, um, and he was he was flying back to Boston, so I don't think his flight was delayed. Okay. Um, oh, and, and for those of you just tuning in to this, uh, this podcast, maybe this is your first episode. Yeah. We just went to a conference where we spoke and did demos for, and the conference was called Square One by mm-hmm. Advanced Design Sketching. So, yeah. but yeah, you hang out with Derek. He's Derek, another speaker. Yeah, he's a he's a teacher at Wentworth. Oh, okay. Um, or a graduate student going to become, and he's teaching, but he's going to become a full time teacher, I believe. Where is Wentworth? Wentworth is in Boston, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, we actually went to the. I think it's the Chicago Art Institute that's right there on Millennium Park. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had some awesome exhibits they had they well um so derek wanted to go see this painter sergeant um is it john singer sergeant is that that his full name i i have to look it up but these beautiful paintings like really stunning paintings that like i have never seen lighting depicted in a painting with such realism and but the other thing that he did, which Derek pointed out as like an amazing inspiration for industrial designers, he would represent materials like cloths and things with such few and like strategic brush strokes. Oh. It, like if you got, you know, if we're you not got, talking about paintings anymore. We're talking about Derek's class. His no, no, we're talking about the paintings. <laughs> we're talking about Sargent's paintings. Okay. okay. Um. I'm sure Derek's good at. Derek is very good too. He's very good, and and he's a procreate, you know, guy. I think that I think that was his uh, his demo. Oh, okay. But these paintings were just like they they knocked me out. They were amazing. I I highly recommend if you haven't if you haven't looked up this you haven't seen this artist before. I think it's John Singer Sargent. Um, yeah, John Singer Sargent. And really amazing. Okay, so he's, stuff. he's like a classical painter. Yeah, he's like turn. He's already dead. 
turn of the century. Is that the correct terminology? Like 1800s to 1900s? Yeah, I, yeah. It looks it looks good, James. I'm looking at it right now on Google. I, if you guys want to Google it, you can. But it's great. <laughs> Listen, I thought I thought that there was a great lesson to be had in terms of like the way that he handled materials because I'm, it was look at this i'm sure in look person at this, Nick. yeah I look see. at that brush stroke maybe it's just because it's on your computer screen but i'm sure in person it was, it was nice. very impressive sure. um the other thing that the other thing that we saw there was a scandinavian design exhibit which also was oh stunning i love that my scandinavian stuff yeah it was, uh, I forget the name of the company, but it was a lot of like kitchenware, like platters, serve, and, and so like, so sculptural and so minimal, but with so much character. I mean, the best of Scandinavian. You had that, I remember seeing on your story, you posted a chair that was like a squiggle. It was almost like a pipe that, oh, you, that, was, that squiggled through itself. That was from another exhibit there. Oh, okay. It's chock full of good exhibits. Man, you, you got delayed a day and you yeah. just like made a, made a, a whole adventure. Made a day of it? Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I, it, was, it was very unexpected and especially because I kept getting these notifications about your planes, your planes delayed, your planes canceled. I called up Delta and I was like, can I get on a plane tonight? And they're like, yeah, just that, that'll be $1,300. <gasps> I was like, that is price gouging. Like, that's unbelievable. Did you send the bill to Hector? I did. I did. Um, but no, I mean, I stayed in the hotel. It's like, there needs to be an airlines tonight. There needs to be a, a flight tonight app. I'm, there's another startup. We shouldn't do a segment. Dude, we're there. We're, mm. We've got so many million dollar ideas. Um, but anyway, back to, back to New York City. We got we got some news. We got some news. Some interesting things to tell you guys. Yeah. Um, you know how like you guys are always asking, hey, you and James should design something together. You guys should collaborate. And I'm always like, yeah, we are. We're collaborating on the podcast. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, you should design something. Um, and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to design something with James. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's no. a feeling I get. But then, <laughs> but then, as soon as there's money involved. <laughs> And then I get on board. Yeah. Um, yeah. James and I are, are uh, doing some consulting freelance work together yeah. in the same office on yeah. the same project. Yeah. We're tag teaming. We are. We're brainstorming. We're tag teaming. We're, we're competing in a way. Yeah, I guess. You know? Fri friendly. Uh, a friendly competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but Nick, you know, based on all your trepidations about, about collaborating in the past... How do you feel now? I think it's great. I actually really enjoy it. To be honest, James, I I kind of mentioned this. I don't know. I guess the first day you were we were working together, it's like I've you know I've worked in companies before and I've worked with other designers before, um, but you know I don't think I've actually like worked with maybe a, a designer that's been more senior level than me. You know, mm. I, you have more experience for sure, right? You know, you you've, you're a few years older and you have more industry experience under your belt and it's nice to be able to sketch things with you and have you you know bounce ideas off of and i don't know it's it's great it's a great dynamic that is refreshing to me mm. yeah i mean the thing is like well when did you graduate nick 2015 2015 okay so I, I 2015 yeah, 2015. I don't. Here's the thing. So I said to you the other day, you were like, I don't. I I haven't really worked with anybody that senior to me, and I, I'm like, I don't can. I don't really think of it that way. Right. Well, I won't. Yeah. I mean, senior might not be the right word, but what I mean is, I I've always worked on projects where it's me designing, mm -hmm. and maybe there's another designer that can help critique, but I've never really worked on a project where it's me and another designer designing the same thing. Right. It's usually like I'm designing this dog toy line, and then there's another designer designing a completely different dog toy line for a completely different brand or whatever. Right. Um, but now it's like you and I are working on the same physical object. And I don't know. It's it's a really interesting... Uh, it, it, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's only um, been a few days since we've been working there. So. Well, I, I just I think to um, to expand on that comment, just with my own thoughts, I feel like I you know when it comes to like mid level versus senior, I don't I honestly don't know that there's like that much difference other than the years, you mm. know, but like you have established a skill set, you have established a way of working. You know, I'm sure that you could take on the responsibilities of a senior designer. I feel like where it more comes into play is if you have a designer who's been working, who's like a decade older than you. Oh, right. You know, usually if they're a decade older, they're usually some sort of type of management right. or AP. Which is a weird thing that that I would love to get into sometimes of like why why is the only way of moving up moving up to be a manager? Yeah, and well, not just being. A great designer. That's weird. Like the older you get, the less design you do, in, in the corporate sense. In the corporate yeah, but, world, that's how you move up. Right. But don't all of us want to still be designing? We well, do. not all of us. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. But I know that I would like to be in the trenches. Of course, me too. You know. Uh, I mean, I think that's probably why people start small firms so that they can remain there. Yeah. I also think there's a level where you get to where. You don't really care for the grunt work, like the CAD. Right. Um, but you do like the sketching, the idea phase, and you like that execution, that, right. that end result. Which reminds me that this week, um, I have been doing this collaboration with Render Weekly. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah. Um, so basically, they reached out to me. They're, they're a weekly, sort of a weekly design challenge type thing, and, you know... We know Weekly Design Challenge, the sketch challenge, where they put out a prompt and then designers post, um, you know, their solution to the prompt and then hope to get reposted. Right. So this is essentially the same thing, but for, for renderers, for yeah. people who are focused, who, who want to... Only render. Yeah. Not necessarily only render, but it's a skill that they want to... Yeah. Focus on. Focus yeah, on yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but these guys, they, they reached out to me. They're, they're BYU students. Um, oh, they're students and they started this. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to do a longer plug, I think at the end okay. talking about what they, what they do, but, um, it's, uh, it's really cool. So I, I gave them CAD. They asked me for CAD of the toys that I've designed, like the helicopters and the trucks. Okay. So you designed these like wooden toys as a exercise on your instagram yes but this was a while back this, this was, like was a while back last year maybe yeah and i was kind of saying to you earlier it's 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 funny because i don't feel like i'm doing any of the work here but right. in fact i did all this work <laughs> and now it's kind of starting to pay off right you you made all these wooden toys these just cad toys like a year ago and i think they were received well i know that you were talking to me one time about how you know for for a good you know, a couple months there, this was the only thing you were posting. Yeah. And you were saying that how, how people were maybe getting annoyed or tired mm -hmm. of you just posting toy helicopters. Yeah. People are like, I, I followed you to like post everything, but you're yeah. just like posting these toy helicopters. But now it's come to fruition. Like yeah. that effort that you put in has been received and it's coming back. Yeah. It's cool. So in these, in these awesome renders. Right. So, so I, I sent over, I think CAD for maybe uh, six or seven of, of the toys. Okay. They asked for five and I, I couldn't. I, <laughs> it's so hard to, you know. Choose your favorites. Yeah. yeah, you love all your your children equally. but um, And so what they, what has happened since then all throughout the week is I have been tagged in these renderings that all these, all these people on Instagram are posting and it's just... It's so cool. I've seen a few of them. I'm really impressed by some of their realism. I mean, they can really create emotional yeah. renders. Yeah. I know my I know my favorite is one of your helicopters and it's kind of making a tornado and there's like leaves kind of yeah. going around it. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun stories that people are making with the helicopters. Right. Um I saw one today. And we'll, we'll, we'll have to post links right. to it on the on minordetailspodcast.com. But um, so there were, you know, trucks and helicopters. And this this one kid put 
a row of the like the dump dumpster trucks that I did. Okay. And then there's a ramp at the end of them and the and the pickup truck is about to take off. Like it's like a daredevil stunt over evil, evil Knievel yeah, style. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. And there's a helicopter in the air. It's it's really fun. It's really cool. And it's and it is like talking about like the quote unquote grunt work, but it's also just the beauty of like this I don't know, this age that we're living in that we can do this kind of thing. That we can reach these communities of people and they can produce this. Yeah content that i would never produce on my own right but i've created these models right and it's like okay have fun yeah it's awesome i know occasionally i'll have people take my chair sketches Mm -hmm. 3d model them and then render them out right that's always interesting to see yeah it's always exciting yeah so it's been um it's been pretty cool but speaking of nice renderings nick i've been seeing those glasses oh right my glassware project yeah and uh, there was a last I saw there was quite a stunning rendering of some of some of the latest. Yeah, thanks, James. I'm I'm uh, I'm getting close for sure to the final design, and I'll have to get some prototypes made. Um, but you know, I think last we left off, I had this design with the silicone base yeah. that acts as a coaster mm-hmm. on the glasses, and then you take the silicone off and you kind of set it on top to be this tray. Right. Um, and I had posted that, and I had a lot of great comments, a lot of feedback, and there's a lot of insights. You know, people are really involved. You know, they mentioned their concerns, how if it's underneath the glass, when it's sitting on the table, the silicone gets dirty, and then I don't want to put the dirty silicone in my glass. Mm. So I incorporated all that feedback and kind of came up with a newer solution to that. And I think, I think this one's close. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get it, uh, prototypes, hopefully in silicone and glassware. Yeah. And yeah, test it out. So we'll see. Right. So the, so the newest one I would say is a little bit more integrated with the glassware, would you say? Yeah. So it's the volcano shape because you know I like the volcano shape. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a cylinder and then it has, it comes down to the bottom, kind of flares out. Mm-hmm. And then the silicone piece kind of wraps around the bottom like an inner, inner tube almost. Right. Kind of looks like it's floating down the river. <laughs> um, and, you know, part of my thought process is I could have made it so that the silicone kind of integrated with the glass. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, I imagine, I mean, you could imagine a cylinder where half the top half is glass and the bottom half is silicone. But I still wanted to add that extruded, like the element of... I don't know, like fidgetness, right? Where you can like fidget with the silicone because yeah. it's supposed to come off, right? It's not supposed to stay on the glass as like a cozy. It's it's supposed to be interactive. It's supposed to be, you know, almost. Yeah. Right. That's the whole point of the the glassware is to put it into my brand almost object. So right. Have you, Nick? So all of these rendering skills, I mean, this is quite a beautiful render. Oh, thank you, James. I mean, they can't see it that listening right now, but we'll post pictures. Is this all from, from your, from the teachings of Mr. Esben? Esben Oxholm, yes. I never learned, I never, I never learned key shot in school. Mm. People ask me that all the time. They're like, Nick, where'd you go to school to learn these? Like, I'm like, I didn't learn. To key shot university. (laughs) Key shot university. (laughs) Um, you'll swear it was real (laughs) this is like phoenix university Mm -hmm. um no you know my school was big on just making the thing in in school i never rendered anything i just made the actual thing and took photos of it right um but yeah i always i look up at uh esben oxholm is a key shot master he's on youtube he does all these great tutorials and sometimes i'll just like pick a tutorial and kind of copy it yeah you know i'll put my objects in it but copy the tutorial and it comes out with like really nice renderings it's great it's a great way to learn like a new technique right yeah i need to uh i need to do some of those because i could definitely improve i was talking to the render weekly guys and i was like you guys need to put together some some tutorials some some hot tips i would love to i would love to see something a bit more episodic like from basics to you know but 
But I guess like with Esben, it's like, okay, I'm going to jump into this tutorial and I'm probably going to learn some things, but it's not so programmatic. Right, right. You know, mm -hmm. like I've gone to his YouTube page and it's not like Keyshot 101. Right. It's like, here's a cool new material that you can try or here's a lighting technique. Mm -hmm. It's not like it t he takes you through everything. But yeah, that's interesting. I also like that he used to say, welcome key shooters. <laughs> Did he say but that? He doesn't say that well, anymore. He's, he's a Dutch, Danish. I don't know. I mean, he's he's, Europe he's yeah, European he's of some welcome sort. Welcome key shooters. So it's it's funny when he says it. I, I love it. I, I it. wish he would keep that catchphrase. It's yeah. such a good catchphrase. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. So you're are you going to do one more round of. You're going to prototype it. Yes. You're going to get a prototype. Then. And then test the prototype, use it, see how it feels. If I need to tweak anything, tweak it. And then it's ready to go. I think it's cool. Thanks. I think it's really nice. Um, I was interested to see where you were going to go with it. And I think this is, this is, the, this is the point. Like, I, you know, I would, I would agree with you that this is the point where you've got to get it made. Right. And, to and actually start interacting with it. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's been such an interesting process because glassware is such a challenge. It's like, how do you do anything unique in glassware? It's like, you know, how old is this industry? It's very old. And that's the thing. Like, there's people, there's a lot of comments. Like, the thing with Instagram is there's comments for every side. Right. So you got to kind of pick and choose, like, where you want to go. Like, there's some people who are like, this is boring. Like, mix it up. Like make something crazy and yeah. some people are like this is way too crazy just make a freaking glass like just make it simple and clean no and so there you know there's like there's it runs the gamut but i think you know what i arrived on was that specifically with the brand almost object it is all about pushing the boundaries yeah. of the object it's all yeah. about like doing something new you right. know like no one has really done this like silicone coaster that turns into a saucer like that's it is actually kind of crazy. Honestly, yeah. when you think about it, like that's nothing that any normal housework company would do. Right. I think it's, I think in this day and age, simple and clean is just too safe. And especially with your brand, I think it's way too safe. Right. There's plenty of other brands I could give all my safe ideas to. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Oh, you're welcome, other brands. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, let's talk about a luxury brand. We got some news here. Beep, 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 beep. Design news. <laughs> Let's go to Nick in the field, Nick. I'm here. Um, but uh, yeah, Fastco, uh, Fastco Design posted this article about a collaboration between IDEO and Swarovski. Oh, the big IDEO. Oh, yeah. The big IDEO and the big Swarovski. And Swarovski is like what? The, the glass? Jewelry. Jewelry, that's right. Um... Yeah, they're like they're, you, can, you can tell who's married. <laughs> <laughs> they're known. They're known for their. Uh, I believe they're known for their diamonds. Right. Um, but um, but yeah, like uh, it's very much a luxury brand, and so they collaborated on a chandelier, and what they came up with is exactly what I would hope for from a place like IDEO. All right. So. The amazing part about the chandelier is the first time you see it in a photograph, you do a double take because okay. there is an illusion that is created where there, so the light itself is encased in this like metallic ring right. of the chandelier. Yes. It, it just looks like a, almost like a hovering disc. Yeah. It's, it's a, oh, it's a CS uh, doing donuts with CS challenge <laughs> right there. Um, and, uh, but the, but the crazy thing is that when you looking into where the light is coming from, it looks like this infinite tunnel. Uh, right. They have, lights. it's a, um, it, they have the infinite mirror. If you guys yes. have ever seen that like illusion where if you put lights in a double-sided mirror glass, I don't know what you call that privacy mirror. I yeah. Don't know. You know those mirrors where you have a um, focus groups where you can see one side but they can't see out. Uh, one way mirror. One way mirror. That's it. So it's lights in a encased in a one way mirror, which creates an infinite mirror effect. So it looks like 
an entire column of lights when you look from underneath. Yeah. But it's only a disc. Yeah. It's kind of unique, I think. It's I don't know how how many times it's been done or what they've done or right. what other what other things are out there, but this one does look really nice because of all the crystals. Yeah. It's dazzling. It dazzles me, James. I I mean, I think what's beautiful about this is that it's it is an experience. It's a true experience. Right. You know, it's not, it creates a sense of wonder. It creates a sense of just joy. I feel, I like, I smiled when I looked at this. I and mean, you're just looking at pictures online. Yeah. Think about it in person. So, like, you know, I, I think that this is just, like, a beautiful collaboration. Right. Like, Swarovski, you could easily see getting very tacky like in terms of a luxury brand mm. and sort of diamonds and, and all of these things, For like sure. you could, you could see tackiness. Right. Cause they, they just ice out chains and everything. Oh so. yeah. But this, this is pretty elegant, I would say. Uh, and, and it's, and it's also very like, um, Oh, what's the word? I mean, it's using such few elements. Um, what's the word I'm using looking for? There's a vocabulary word about, using getting the most out of out of a few elements that i that i can't think of at the moment it's okay James. but that's what it's doing and when you find that word you'll think that's what james is talking about <laughs> i'll uh, just i'll google that word later and then cut it into every single like <laughs> in essence it's a very effective use of of not an not a like an exorbitant amount of materials or things it's actually creating the illusion of of a lot with right. a little, which is, it's great. Very nice. We'll link to it. You can check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. It put a smile on my face today, and I showed everybody in the office. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Nick, I've had this topic kind of bubbling in the back of my mind yeah. for, for a little bit. James has had this topic bubbling. It's been bubbling. It's boiling over. Yeah. James, he has to talk about it. Uh, oh gosh, and now I'm now I'm going to be forced to have like a really strong opinion about it. <laughs> well, it's the topic of ergonomics. Ergonomics, that's right, folks. We're talking about ergonomics today because, like, so often it's I mean it's such a buzzword. If I don't hear ergonomics at least once a day while I'm working on designing something, or if I don't say it once a day, like you know it it invades our everyday design life this word it does i think you know in general i mean for those you know for hey mom <laughs> um hey miss baker you know ergonomics is really the design for from a definition standpoint it's the design for like comfortability like making something that it fits the most people yeah is that correct well is that a good definition or but the but the thing is layman definition but is that the um the actual definition the Webster's for ergonomics. The, yeah, yeah I'm gonna look up. up. I'm looking up the. Uh, well, this is currently the. Uh, What's it say, James? Google definition. What's it say? The study of people's efficiency in the working environment. It's very interesting because I feel like this word has essentially gone through some PR because it used to be about efficiency. Like I feel like it used to be about. Like, how do I make my workers more productive right. and efficient? But now it's turned into this very user-focused, like, how do we make their lives better in using these and objects? And not just your workplace. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's where you sleep. It's where you eat. It's whatever it is. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Nick? Well, I'll tell you a story. I let, Tell me a story. You know, ergonomics is a interesting topic. I haven't had too many instances where I had to do a ton of ergonomics, but I will say I, I have done a few projects where hand ergonomics have been something I had to focus on, um, specifically dog leashes, mm-hmm. um, the retractable ones where you have the spool of leash and then there's a handle on it. And there's a lot of discussion around, I think people had this perception of ergonomics means fitting your hand exactly right right or fitting 
every single finger making something like mold into your hand people will often take like a, a clay blob and like squeeze it oh yeah and then when you undo it you get this like hand imprint on the clay and you're like oh that is the optimum ergonomic form right and it is for that like one exact person <laughs> but not for the other you know seven billion people in the world um so ergonomics is a a practice that i think can be mispracticed um Specifically with the dog leash, I had to actually kind of educate the marketing team and some of the other uh, managers who were interested in that form of like adding the finger grooves. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I understand that you guys want to add in these, you know, such and such ergonomic features, quote, 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 unquote, um, you know, marketing speak ergonomic because it has all these finger grooves. But in reality... That's not true ergonomic because those finger grooves only fit, you know, a small percentile of people. Right. And what you're really trying to do is maximize the amount of people that can use the product comfortably. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I uh, designed just a smooth handle and it did have some sort of bulbous shape so that it did fit, you know, the, the majority right. of hands. Um, obviously, the smallest hand and the largest hand would not fit here here's an interesting thing let me tell you this this is one thing that i really strive to do but i left too soon to finish the project retractable dog leashes they designed one of them uh-huh. so they you know they have one size whatever that size that is it's like the size of a i don't know grapefruit that's a horrible reference but <laughs> um and then they just they make other sizes by scaling so if you have so, but the sizes depend on the dog. So if you have a pit bull, you get the biggest size, right? You get the biggest size leash, huh. which means that if you are a, a small lady with really small hands and you have a pit bull, that means that you have to like carry your leash with two hands because that leash is huge. Yeah. Or if you're like a strong, burly man with huge hands and you have a chihuahua. You can only fit like two fingers into the handle, oh, and that's see. how the that's how the entire leash industry is, the retractable leash industry is. And I was like, "This is stupid. This is crazy. Why aren't the handles made for humans and not right. the dogs? Like the hand, the dogs are never going to touch the handle. Why right. size the handle?" Yeah, um, that's interesting because because as a tall person, I can relate to this in terms of clothing. Like, the way that they size up clothing often until, like, the modern era where we have all these slim fits is they'll just, they size will up for literally, they'll, they'll take it, they'll hit that top corner, hold, they hold shift, and just shoot up to the right, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, you know, it's always, like, big and tall. Like, why? Why, why? not skinny and tall? Why are there no skinny and tall? It's so weird to me. I have rarely met somebody like six foot five who's also like enormously fat. Yeah. You know, it's the, the that whole scaling scheme, no good. Shaq. Uh, Shaq's pretty, he's like thick. Yeah. Shaq's thick. I don't know if he's fat. Yeah. I He's uh, he's a thick boy. Yeah, for sure. But um. But yeah, ergonomics is this funny thing. I remember having a conversation with one of my professors at the at, in my senior year of college. This guy, Bill Green, who was, he's like, he's a legend at Virginia Tech. Okay. Nobody knows, he, he seems to have a lot of money. Yeah. Nobody knows how. He, he might have worked on the first electric car ever. You know, it, it, he's, sort of, he, he's sort of in the lore but he also wears like Coke bottle glasses and he talks like this. Oh my gosh, this is so neat. Right, right, right. And okay. he's, he's awesome. He's okay. great. But he was, um, I was talking to him. We were doing this project for Blackberry and the idea was like, we didn't actually have him as a corporate sponsor, but the idea was like, how do we revitalize Blackberry as a brand? This was like a two-week project, right? And so, like, and the answer, I, answer is you can't. Yeah, They're right. Dead. They're dead. I, uh, <laughs> I tried. Uh, I, I had this whole play that was like they should get into uh, just doing tech for uh, restaurants. Oh. And uh, and like get into you know you have like sort of a phone thing with the with the credit card slider. Interesting. Um, I okay. think this is back before Square James, was a thing. I think you could revive them. I know I was trying. 
I was really trying. That's a good pitch. But, um, but any, yeah, anyway, I was doing all these form studies and I was like, and I was like trying to do all these like dips and things on the back to like make it cradle better in right. the hand. Right. And, uh, I, rem- I remember, I don't, I wish I could remember the exact quote, but Bill Green essentially came by and he's like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, they're going to pick it up anyway. They're going to hold it. Like, you know. With that voice, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's like, but but in a sense, like, he was right. I was trying to, I was definitely going overly ergonomic yeah. with it. Yeah. And. Um, I think there definitely is a point where you can overvalue ergonomics. Yeah. I remember it's like that Steve Jobs, uh, you know, when Steve was around, they had the issue with, what was it, the iPhone 5, iPhone mm-hmm. 4, something, to, or maybe it was the 3, maybe it was like the original iPhone. Um, it actually might have been the original iPhone, now that I'm thinking about it. Essentially, the original iPhone came out, and everyone was like, whoa, this is awesome, this is great, Yeah, I want one, and so everyone bought one, and they started using it, and everyone was complaining about people losing their signal. You know, they had their hand oh. up, they had their hand up kind of flat, and right. so your, your fingers are at the, your ear and your palm is kind of at your hand, similar to how you would hold a handset or a, a hand, I don't know. The old phone? The old phones, right, exactly. And everyone's complaining. And Steve Jobs was like, yeah, just hold it the other way. Hold it so like you're holding like a beer glass up to oh. your head. Oh. So he educated the public yeah, on it, how to hold the phone. It wasn't like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some people think about, ergonomics as oh we should you know we should bend the object to fit the human right sometimes it's about just educating the user how to use the object yeah well there's there are different there are different like scales of product and and one of them is the demonstrable product which is something that requires demonstration yeah so like there's a lot of products you know you see on like QVC, for instance, it's like something that needs a bit of explanation. Like it's not such a simple product that you can just approach it and understand it. Right. I mean, there's plenty of YouTube videos on like how to use any of these types of objects. I think about like toys. Like I think about like yo-yo or like right. those Astro Jacks or like any of those like f- like balance oh, trick Astro toys. Jacks. <laughs> you have Astro Jacks. Wait. Do you know about my obsession with Ab- Astrojax? No, but your obsession with yo-yos, but I had Astrojax too. We both have this like common thread, Nick, except for you're just way better at Nick, at you don't understand. <laughs> Astrojax is actually what got me interested in industrial design. No way. Absolutely. So I, I always say yo-yo because, because Astrojax are Astro- so obscure. Right, so for those of you who don't know what Astrojax are... The three balls on a string. Oh, yeah. The two on the ends are fixed. The one in the middle can move along the string. It's just another, like, what kind of... It's a skill toy. Skill toy. That's the yeah. term. Mm-hmm. So what happened was I was working at a toy store. Like, I started working at this toy store every summer in Ocean City, New Jersey. I can't believe this is episode 17 and we haven't discovered this this story. But I oh. love it. Keep going. So I... um, And it was the first summer of... Astrojax. Yes. And I saw the product. I remember the commercials I were crazy. I saw the packaging. Yeah. Like the packaging was like circular. It was a, it was like a circular clamshell packaging. I can smell Toys R Us already. Uh, and I I mean I demonstrated them all summer. I showed them to to people and I was mesmerized. Did you get commission cuz I'm sure you sold a ton? I did sell a lot. Yeah. I did sell a lot. But James is really skilled at skill toys. It's true. Um, and there's a lot of documentation during advanced design sketching conference of me using a yo-yo. But um, but Astrojax, like the entire the entire thing, the branding, the packaging, the, the graphics, the name, the the product itself, I was enamored with it all. And I was like, I want to be the type of person that makes things like this. Yeah. I want to make, I, I want to be able to have my hands in all of this. And um, so I was obsessed with it for a really long time. Eventually, so like eventually I got into industrial design. At the end of school, I was like, you know what? I would, I should figure out who designed all this stuff. 
and I figured it out. But you figured out who designed Astrodex? Yeah, because it was one designer. I mean, he worked for the company Active People, and okay. now he has his own brand called um, Moloch. His name is Alex Hochstrasse, and he's uh, from Switzerland, and he's a badass. Um, he, I, I found his, his email on his website and emailed him, and we had an exchange... And then I met him at the New York Toy Fair. And and then, like, after I graduated, I went to Europe and I met up with him again at his studio. He's He is an amazing designer. That's awesome. Amazing sense of just brand and, like, graphic identity and product. Huh. And, uh, yeah, it's always worth it to do a little bit of investigation. I, I love when, you know, you have that product that you've always use as a kid and you never really thought about it. and then once you learn industrial design you're like oh you know thinking back i wonder who designed that right know, whatever it was yo-yo lego brick i don't know yeah and you found the guy yeah that's awesome i found him i found the man behind the curtain um and uh yeah really cool guy and um so yeah that that is a that is a long aside but astro jacks that is what got me into industrial design but, uh, you know, and I think it also sort of, like, got me into, like, fidgeting in general and just, like, physics. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, Nick, but I like to put a lot, I like to put loops in things, places where you can, you know, put your finger to, like, spin something. Yeah. I, so here's my, here's my pitch for the loop in terms of ergonomics. Okay. I feel like the loop is the ultimate, um physical manifestation of something where you have a lot of control with very little effort. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I understand. Because I can grab something with a loop and I just have to sort of, I just have to sort of hold my hand up or whatever, but I'm not actually like grabbing anything or grasping anything. It's, it's kind of, it, I don't know. There's something I see. Like if there's a loop on a, like, Lifting a cup, you have to like grip it. Yeah. But if there's a loop on the cup, all you got to do is just like li- like have your finger in it. Yeah, just... you just put your finger through the loop, and then the the uh, the the top of the inside of the loop hits the top of your finger and then pushes down. Yeah. On your hand. I, I understand what so you're saying. Very little effort, a lot of control. I feel like you don't even need to grip things when you have a loop. You're no. just kind of like. It's almost like, you know, like you have fingerprints to like grip things. Yeah. You don't need fingerprints anymore. No, I think the one thing also I want to touch on with this ergonomic conversation is also like the fact that ergonomics can almost go into this area of products that need to be taught, products that need to be taught how to use, right. how to be used, right? Like, right. I think you and I kind of discussed it a good bit of like, when when you use a product do you want to discover how things are done like i don't know you think about like an obscure product like a phone or or mm-hmm. something that you don't know how it works off the bat without yeah. and like if you had a phone for the first time how do you use it yeah i mean I, is that that's a kind of ergonomic scenario right usability right i mean i think yeah like like, like intuitiveness versus um like teaching yeah intuitive is another one of these buzzwords that i mean at some point somebody had to be taught how to use a knife right you know the knife isn't so simple but then you can use the knife as a reference and try to reference it within a design to 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 uh indicate a certain action yeah but it's kind of like my glassware you know like we're uh talking about my glassware how there's a silicone base at the bottom it it's not intuitive at all. Like what, what are you going to do with this silicone like coaster thing? Right. It's a taught object. It's a object that maybe isn't even taught. It's discovered. Yeah. It's not even the fact that there is a solution to the object. Right. You know, the solution is you, it's the user. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to discover by using it? Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think intuitiveness as a, as an idea is kind of overrated. I mean, Going back to Astrojax, 
Astrojacks, not at all intuitive. Yeah, I was never good at Astrojacks. Yeah. Well, the great thing about one of the sets was it came with a CD. And this was before, like, good internet. And it had tricks. It had demonstrations of different tricks. Yeah, I didn't have that CD. I learned how to be quite a freestyling Astrojacks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think... Um, you know, there's uh, there's the book by Don Norman, which is Living with Complexity, where he he makes the case that we actually don't want simple things in our life. That, like, simplicity is an overrated virtue when it comes to design. Interesting. Like, it's more about, like, it's the difference between complex and complicated. So complex things are... You know, they need to be complex in order to operate all their functions. Like, he talks about the inside of a cockpit. Okay. Um, or even chess. Chess is a complicated game. Right. It can't be explained very easily, but it's a very rich game, and it's and you can play it over and over because, excuse me, of the richness of the gameplay. You know, it's... Uh, but when things become complicated, it's it's uh, it's about frustration. It's about there being oh, you know interesting. So yeah, um, that makes sense. So as long as it's complex but understandable, like you you can be taught. It's like rewarding it, in it a way. It has a logic to it. Yeah, if you understand chess, it's a rewarding game. Yeah, hmm. like there are many cases in life where things are a bit complicated, but therein lies the value. Yeah, that's so true. Very you know? interesting. Um, but, you know, back back to ergonomics for a second. The, the one thing that, you know, obviously is sort of brought up a lot in terms of ergonomics is seating. Because, like, you know, of there are the ergonomic office chairs. Of course. I think, you know, furniture is something that does need to be ergonomic to some extent. Yeah, to some extent. Because I, I remember Ron Chemnitzer, who was one of our professors at Virginia Tech, he designed a lot of chairs. Man, if I had a dollar for every shout-out you oh, had, James. come on. Give it up. <laughs> um, but uh, he gave a presentation about chairs, and, it, and he, kind of, he kind of was like, I mean, it's all about the context. Like, if I'm in a certain position for long periods of time, like, of course, it needs to be accommodating you know, it needs to be ergonomic, but it also, it has to have adjustability. It has to has, have flexibility. Yeah. Nobody's sitting in the same position for long periods of time. Oh, yeah. When you get into adjustability and flexibility and those kind of things, I mean, that's that's honestly, you know, if you can implement some sort of, you know, in my in my vision, especially when I was doing those, that leash project, when you had, you know, the size for the handle that kind of fit the majority of people mm -hmm. and when i say kind of fit the majority i mean like you know like the in between 70 percent of people of the world right yeah and you had these outskirts you know the 95th percentile and the five percentile whatever it was that it didn't fit yeah but if you added in some sort of adjustable element mm. it could fit right those people right but you it's such a complicated thing because when you add adjustability into it that's a lot of mechanics and yeah. the design can get cluttered and it's it's a whole other level of design yeah it's uh you know sometimes with ergonomics it's like the cylinder with, with handheld things you can't go wrong with a cylinder straight simple and there's this there's this one design that i love from Konstantin gerchik yeah german designer and and it's a seat but it's just like this little perch basically and the whole idea behind it was like a lot of people at their jobs they're up and down they're running around all they need is just a place to to sit for a moment mm. and and do the work that's very and then run off to something else yeah i love that that's great you know so anyway this is obviously a topic that we can talk about at length and we'll probably do that throughout yeah. the course of this podcast yeah yeah, I kind of want to explore the intuitiveness one day. There's yeah. there's something there's there's like ergonomics and there's this other whole section of like teaching someone how to use a certain design. But, yeah. you know, anyways. 
Yeah, it's uh, well. We, we should answer some questions. Yeah, unfortunately, Astro Jacks. Well, fortunately, they made a comeback into my life just tonight. Just tonight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get to some questions. We had some great questions. Thanks for sending in. If you had a question yourself, feel free to send it into minor details podcast at gmail.com. Our first question comes from Brennan, and they ask, "How important is confidence in the design process?" Is overconfidence deadly, or does it spur new ideas, better ideas? It's it's an interesting question. That is interesting. Very confidence, interesting question. Confidence, because I think there's two types of confidence. There's a, there's a thin line between confidence and cocky. Sure. Yeah. Yes, I think that there. Wait, is, what are you two types? Mine were cocky and confidence. Well, I think that's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah. Because there's confidence in your process. Or there's confidence or cockiness that you know the right answer, like almost immediately. And uh, I think that confidence in your process, but openness to ideas, mm. is is the right mix. It's the right right chemistry. I can go with that. I I like that. I think, yeah. I mean, I think everyone has this maybe a tendency to be more confident in that one favorite idea that they have, right? Like they have this one thing that they're like kind of holding on to. I mean, I think about my strap chair, you know, I designed the chair with like ratchet straps and yeah, I kind of started to lean into that cockiness, cockiness aspect of like, you know, when I first sketched it up, everyone said, no, this couldn't be true. (laughs) And And then, you know, like I leaned on my cockiness a little bit and said like, Oh yeah, I'll prove it to you. It's, yeah, it's true. Let yeah. me show you. But I sh- I followed it up. I think there's a there's a difference, right? Like, you know, if you can follow up and prove your idea out, like, right, good. I mean, yeah. confidence or cockiness, like you proved yourself. Like, yeah, whatever. It's always it's always worth it to to prove out a concept that you feel good about. Um, I think that you can start to get cocky about an idea when you don't have. When you're when you're not moving towards proving it, and you're just talking about it, yeah. and you're just sketching on That's it. That's the thing. Like you can't. You, yeah, that if you're cocky and you don't actually execute. Yeah. Then that just means yeah. That's that's when you're uh, deadly. That, right. That's when it's. <laughs> oh, what, what did uh, Brandon say? Overconfidence is deadly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I um. That's when no one no one uh, gives you any reputation. Like right. that's what, like when no one cares about you anymore. But, but the thing is, I, I guess for, for myself, the thing that I'm constantly up against is like, I'll feel cocky about an idea and then, and then I will immediately start to question its validity. You know, even at like the slightest critique of somebody around me, I'll be like, oh man, this isn't good. But I think that, you know, if you are feeling cocky about something, you should challenge yourself to continue exploring even even just for the rest of the day, like see if you could possibly come up with something even as rich as that. Yeah, idea. Th- that is a good exercise. When you have that idea that you're super confident in, make an idea that is even better. Because, like that that's that's when you're one upping yourself. Yeah. That's when you're pushing yourself. Because the only other thing that can happen is an idea can disintegrate in the matter of seconds. You just know like that, and you have to be able to pivot off of that. You know, as a designer, you have to be able to do that. Right. So, um, thanks for sending that in, Brandon. Yeah. That was that was a good question. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, what's the next question, Nick? We got another question from at I am Zindagi on Instagram, um, and they had actually several questions. Maybe I'll run through them right quick. I think two of them are short, but their first one was they they've been thinking about sustainability the design process and they're wondering if there's any sustainable options for foam modeling and slash mock-ups that's the first question and second question <laughs> which is which is uh maybe the big question is how important is actually making the physical product or prototype versus doing sexy renders mm. when you're a student they're they're at school and then the third question was this isn't a question it's just a suggestion james please make more of those design quotes <laughs> 
James did these fake design quotes and they're amazing. And you should do more of them, James. I agree. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, we should answer the first one first. The first one first, yes. First things first. Yes. I'm the realist. Do you have any thoughts on like a sustainable way to model blue foam or whatever you use? I haven't used blue foam since school. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to honestly I do a lot of 3D printing. Yeah, 3D um, prints 3D prints are I mean I don't but I think that uh, but sustainability I think, is a whole other yeah, topic. But but I think blue foam is important when you're in school because it's about it's like sketching with form. You need to feel right when you're in school, a hundred percent. I actually know. I think Pratt does plaster. Really? Like car like carves plaster. Models. Oh yeah, um, I've seen those. Those look really nice, actually. There's blue foam. There's cardboard, which is not it really not ideal yeah that's cardboard works for some things and it's great for things yeah for certain things but um you know i've been exploring the vr thing but the thing with vr is you still can't touch it yeah you still can't feel it right you're lacking that sense mm. yeah i i i have used in my professional life i've used clay to good effect i i think it i think it just depends on the project I'll say this too. I mean, you know, sustainability is a whole other topic. But honestly, you know, making a couple blue foam models for your career isn't going to kill you. Like, it's not going. It's not the thing that's ruining the world, right? There's right thousands of other things that are way worse than you carving up staplers out of blue. Foam. Yeah. How about you stop throwing away every cell phone that you use after you cut it? using blue foam <laughs> <laughs> or like you know like you can go to starbucks every day and like you get the plastic out you know there's well the list can go on and right on, right right but uh, yeah i don't know if we have any good suggestions but those were a few yeah it'd be interesting if, if people have suggestions for for some good build materials send it to us send, send us an email yeah, i want to hear from those people that use play-doh yeah, minor details podcast at gmail.com. I mean, I know that architecture firm Big, they use Legos. Oh. Like, they will use Legos. That's great, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I think the second question is actually one that you wanted to get to in particular, Nick. You have, you have a point of view about this. Yeah, and the second question was, you know, how important is making the thing yeah. versus making a render of the thing? Yeah. I, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I was like... At SCAD, we never rendered anything. We mm. just ma- and maybe it's different now. I don't know if maybe the technology wasn't there. We had Keyshot. I don't know. We didn't have a class. I don't, I don't know what the thing was, but essentially, when I went to school, we made the physical prototype. Like we made the model. We painted it. Was it. a class requirement, wasn't it? Yeah, like you couldn't show up at the final day and be like, "Hey, here's renders of." The design. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. You had to have the actual design. Like, you had to make right. it. And if it was something big, you obviously made a scale model, right? It's whatever it will. Um, but there is something, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've maybe dipped on this a little bit, but there is something about making that is super important to design. Mm. Like, I still have on my bio and, like, on all my, you know, Instagram and website and everything that I'm a designer and a maker. Mm. Because I think there is something so key to touching and feeling the actual physical product. Because that's what we do. Right. We make physical things. Right. We don't make renders. We don't make pictures. You know, we don't make sketches. Yeah. We make products that you can touch and feel. Yeah. Now, my question to that is, do you think the level of fidelity that you had to get those models to was necessary? Um. That is a great question, and I will say, in retrospective, uh, you know, for coming from the industry now, I don't think that I would ever make a, that fidelity anymore in my in my experience. I think that that would be done by some you know factory in China, but I think in school when you're learning how to do those things, I think it's important because it's not it's not the fact that like you're making something that looks like the design you created. It's the fact that you are thinking through the process of how things are made, right? It's the fact that you're thinking like, oh, if I cut this on the table saw, should I cut this on the table saw first and then drill a hole? Or should Mm -hmm. I drill a hole first and then use the table saw? And those kind of thoughts are very important when you 
start to think about manufacturing because you yeah. have to use that that thought process in manufacturing. Now, at Virginia Tech, we were never required to have appearance models. <gasps> oh, yeah. So I'm going to say... Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Well, I think you have a level of Stockholm Syndrome. But what I, what <laughs> I will say is that, um, you know, we, we would often have, um, like the step below looks like models right we would have our foam yeah, in you, the shape yeah your blue foam and your cardboard or we would we would prove out the functionality of something but we didn't take it much further than that um and uh i don't know i i feel like the appearance model thing is more of like a rite of passage than than something that's necessary in this day and age yeah because nobody, I haven't met a single person who is still making appearance models, like looks like models. Not in the, yeah, not in industrial design in the career. Like, you, yeah, in the industry, you always hire someone who can do that. You get uh, it done from China or whatever. Right. Yeah. I almost feel like appearance models, looks like models, are a way to weed out people. Maybe you're right, James. But I still feel like it is like maybe that's just me being an old, yeah, that's old you, guy. Like, that's you rationalizing oh, those kids. They can just press a button on two shots. <laughs> you know, that's man. you just like rationalizing all the hours of time you wasted. Those darn hating. Get off my models. Lawn. But um, no, I mean the thing is, is that I think that I think it's good to show model making for sure. I just don't, I don't think it's necessary to show looks like models. I don't look through portfolios and go, where are the looks like models? You know, I think the quote unquote yeah. sexy render, but don't over render. What if you look through a portfolio and there's nothing that's been physically made? Then I'm going to be very skeptical. Okay. So, yeah. I think physically this... making something is, is a good skill to be able to demonstrate. Okay. We can agree on that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I guess that wraps up wraps up the question segment. Yeah, th thanks for sending those in, guys. Yeah. Um, of course, every week we want to give a shout-out shout out of the week. And James, you got the shout-out of the week this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I give so many shouts out, <laughs> shout-outs already, but I'm giving a shout-out to Render Weekly. Um, I mean, I didn't expect this you know, that they would reach out to me and, it, and it's been really awesome. This whole process of seeing what's come out of this. Right. As we, right. As we like talk about how rendering is all bad. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. I mean, rendering is not all bad. Rendering is a skill that you need to be able to demonstrate. It's true. Yeah. I should go back and listen to our, did we have an episode about sexy renders? Yeah. I, that was a good episode. There's a difference between like the over render and the modest render. You know, there should be, I think there should be at least one or two modest renders at the end of a project. You know what I'm saying? I kind of know what Don't you're saying. We did, you know, this is, this is what you guys come for. You get, you come for the, uh, yeah. the two different views yeah. of this podcast. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah. anyways, get back to your shadows. <laughs> so anyway, um, so as we said, these, uh, these students put together render weekly, which is awesome. That's crazy. They're students. I love it. It's uh, Tyler Anderson, and his handle is uh, is T Y L R underscore N D E R S N. Okay. Um, and then Ryan Krause, who is hyper underscore sketch. Cool. And so check them out, guys. According according to them, they trade off every week as to who posts the prompt. Oh, that's interesting. So week by week is a different. It, they trade. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, you get that little, division little, of labor, a little diversity. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so so they, I asked them if there was a spiel that they wanted me to give, like a little paragraph. And are they paying and, you? Are they paying you? James? I, they're students, Nick. <laughs> I should be paying them. Um, so they say Render Weekly was formed in April 2018 as an idea to help artists and designers be inspired and showcase their work. This is great. Okay. The goal of Render Weekly is to provide a free platform where followers can reach out, improve their 3D modeling and rendering skills, connect with other students and professionals, and build their portfolio with unique weekly prompts. I think this is great. I mean, this is 
it's similar to what weekly design challenge does, which I could imagine somebody, they're not necessarily thrilled with their job and they're looking to diversify their portfolio and like these kind of platforms can help inspire those type of projects. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, when you're building that community and just pushing others, like that's an admirable thing just to start off. And I think that's great. So props to you guys, Render Weekly. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So Nick. Is it time? That that about wraps it up. All right. Thanks, guys. Of course, you can check us out on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts now. Yeah. Sorry, iTunes. Is iTunes dead? I don't know. Because there's Apple Music now? Sometimes when I... I, I press play oh, on no, my no, laptop no, 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 thinking no, no, no. that... Never play. Never play. Thinking, like, thinking that, iTunes will open and it's back because it well, needs to update free updates. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I have Spotify open, but it will override Spotify oh, and oh, just yeah. open iTunes. Um, of course, you can check us out on <laughs> Google Play as well. And, you know, Spotify, you know, rest in peace. We'll never figure it out. All right, Check it out, minordetailspodcast.com. If you have an email, minordetailspodcast at gmail. And uh, yeah, I'm at Nick P. Baker on Instagram. And I am at I Draw on Receipts. Peace out, guys. Later.